Hello, In the Water Podcast. It's your humble host, Russell. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm in the home stretch, the real home stretch of my trip, about 150 miles from home. Won't get there until about midnight, 1233, <clears throat> which is interesting. It's very interesting. The trip itself was very moving and humbling and in my case in my experience a very spiritual personal spiritual experience and people are gonna you know be like well you just left and you know you were only gone for 11 days you know but <clears throat> as far as like from Georgia or whatever however long it was but the intensity, like the reality of the fact, like once I got out of Montana and I was in South Dakota, like I started experiencing what my friend called road madness, right, which I kind of briefly touched on in a previous podcast, and part, part of me, honestly, um, like the arrogant part of me was like, I'm not even, like I'm content with myself, like I'm not going to experience that, like I haven't experienced anything like that yet. But it really set in. I drove 35 hours out of 48 hours. It was like 33 hours out of 48 hours, something like that. I drove about 1,500 miles. <coughs> 1,500 miles in that time, and in two days, which is intense. And so I was. I started like tripping. I started like tripping balls. Like I started to like experience, like I was on the phone with my friend and I started to experience like this, um, like I thought on the way back, like once I got out, I was like, you know, there's nothing really else that's going to happen dangerously, like the void, like I've already had my interactions with the void, <clears throat> but it seemed as though like this trip, this road madness that I started to experience in, in South Dakota was like the final interaction like the climax of the interaction between my one-on-one experience with the boy. And I was on the phone with my friend and it just kind of like came over me where I started to, it started to see, it started to look like I was driving into a tunnel. Like I was driving in a tunnel, but it was like as soon as I, was, I would exit the tunnel, it would look like I'm about to enter into another tunnel. You know, and it, it felt like I was inside driving, even though it was raining on my windshield, and I knew that I was outside. And it started; it got really crazy. It was really in depth because I couldn't stop. I was like 200 miles from anything, and so I and I and I saw it as like a very spiritual experience. Like I didn't really feel like I was in danger, or that I was like I was impaired in any way. It was just very, very psychedelic. It was very interesting how like the road and the time and the stress and everything kind of got to me and kind of came about in this very sober you know like almost psychedelic experience but it was to me it was like the final interaction between me and the world and it was very beautiful and I feel like the whole trip was very humbling and and and, and empowering I have an immense amount of gratitude for it. You know, there's a lot of psychological stuff that happened that is within me, and I'm not even going to really touch on it with people. I'm just going to show them with my actions.
how it's like what it's gonna do. I feel like talking about it is like diminishing it, or is going to be asking for permission. You know, because I have this funny thing about asking like, like permission to be like I'd rather ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, right? And I lived like that for a long time. It wasn't until like right before this trip, like at least six months leading up to this trip, that I really started like ask for permission in you know people acknowledging my judgment. The way that I view permission is like when you talk about something that you want to do and you allow people to put their input in there and their influence and their doubt, you're basically asking them for permission. You're asking them if they're okay if you do this. Whereas I would rather just do what I'm doing and ask for forgiveness later. I'm not going to allow you to put your doubt or your influence or your constraint on me. I don't ask for permission. And so I feel like the things that I have in my mind as far as like what, I, what I want to do from here on out will be personal. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to you know, wall myself off of people, but it's like there are things that they don't need to have influence. But this whole experience, like with the you know, voices of the void, and like <clears throat> perceiving this entire trip as me like confronting myself and you know acknowledging my love and allowing myself to love myself and, 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 and allow my and let myself go because I basically let myself go I let my life go and I'm in now in some weird <clears throat> uh, kind of sense everything is going to be added to me because as, as far as my projections go, I'm going to be generally exactly where I left off in 30 days before I even went on this trip. For the most part, if everything goes as projected. And so I'll have all of the added, so, like, the added physical and psychological and emotional. Like, I'll have all of that added perspective that I got on the trip. I'll have those beautiful, awe-inspiring experiences, those very dangerous and life-threatening experiences. I will have the absolute understanding of my resilience in the face of uncertainty and my motivation to create something that is, that is stable and resilient in the face of certainty. I'm going to integrate myself fully align myself as a fully integrated person. And I will be exactly where I was before I left. And I will have all of those things with me. And that is unbelievably priceless. It's priceless. And this trip was priceless. Dude, what the fuck are you honking at? <coughs> Sorry. Um, is absolutely priceless and I would I don't feel bad about it I don't regret it in any way shape or form and I wouldn't change it for anything part of me feels like you know I wanted people to come out there and meet me but I feel like uh, you know the way that it happened it happened so fortuitously but in some strange sense it seems as though like there were strokes of fate involved that changed things like my lady friend 
imploring me to go my original route and then me going my original route is what allowed me to interact with the void, those people, the voices of the void, and, and enter into those life-threatening situations that I was able to overcome and endure. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Eternally grateful for that. And it wouldn't have happened, at least in my estimation, the, the way that it did if she didn't implore me. Because if I have to give it back to the dealership in 36 days, I mean, they really can't deny me my refund because of the added mileage and anything that's wrong with it, as is. Because the deal is void. The deal is void. And I will get, I will get lawyers and attorneys involved if I have to. And a part of me... <clears throat> is probably, even if, whether I get the title or not, whether I get the title or not in the next 36 days, a part of me is probably still going to pull the full force down on this dealership and, and teach them a lesson because you don't deal with people like that. 
you don't deal in shady business. And I'm not a person, I, first of all, I'm not afraid to fucking rock the boat. I'm not afraid to rock the boat. I'm one of the people that has a hard time letting shit go. So trying to get me to just let it go by, oh, give me the title, I'll give you the 5.5 5 grand. And it's like, that's not enough. That's not enough. And I'm not saying I want more. I'm saying I want you to learn a lesson. I want you to learn a lesson. Because I don't fucking play. And, and I feel like they've transgressed against me in the sense that you feel like I'm somebody to be fucked with. And I'm not. And so just because you think I'm some dumb fucking kid that you can fuck with me, Got some, you got another thing coming. And I probably, regardless of if I get the title or not, like, once, if, like, let's just say they give me the title and I get it all transferred into my name and registered, I'm still gonna fucking call the Attorney General and file a formal complaint with the Attorney General and the DOL of Georgia and get an audit performed on them. And we'll see what, and I might even call a pro bono attorney and see, see what we can get away with see what we can do because this this place is shady and they need fucked they need to get fucked fucking with people's lives like this no so i have these goals and and these things that i want to incorporate into my life um like especially in particular documenting things more like i'm going to probably take the time tomorrow <coughs> to document all the money that I spent on this trip, at least from when I was at in Georgia originally, about uh, maybe eight days ago, nine days ago now, I'm going to assess the financial damages, and I'm going to basically like write up and document everything that I spent as far as like tolls, gasoline, any gas station miscellaneous stuff like coffee um, and then uh, document possible damages to the car and how much it would be to fix it because there is still a chance that I will get this title and I need to not allow this car to fall into a state of disrepair to the point where it'll be an exorbitant amount of money to fix it you know because I'm gonna you know I want to get on top of the maintenance that's the whole point I got this car even though I just literally put 10,000 miles on it in the last month you know, so <clears throat> that's that. I'm going to document that. I'm going to start um, trying to integrate and document and create systems in which I will create a level of discipline. Discipline's not hard for me. Like, I have this uh, workout routine that I do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, obviously, I've been lacking on that in the last month at the very least, <clears throat> but I have a certain set of exercises that I do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, regardless. And I wanna kinda document, you know, how, how many I'm gonna do, and, you know, I wanna incorporate a couple more exercises to that, and, you know, some cardio to that, and just stick to it for a year, you know? Like, because my thing is, is like, if I, add, like, let's just say I do 20 burpees every month, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's 60 burpees a week, right? If I do 60 burpees a week, 
times 52 weeks. That's 3,120 burpees a year. Okay, and that is a compound exercise that works all muscle groups in the body. And so, <clears throat> you're definitely gonna fucking see that. Not to mention, that's not the only exercise I'm gonna be doing, and I'm going to be incorporating more. But like, that's kind of my system. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Gives me a day off in between working out, and then I get the weekend off. And I've, I've, I've done that for the last year at least, and <clears throat> it seems to pay off. So, I like it. I want to start incorporating more food, more better, like better food. Like, there's, if there's one thing this trip did for me is like, it made me definitely sacrifice the luxury, but I will appreciate, it made me appreciate the luxury more. Like, I'm gonna, like, tomorrow, I don't give a fuck if my hand's working or not. I'm gonna make myself a fucking omelet and some bacon. I'm gonna have some bacon and eggs, and I'm gonna cook that shit, and I'm gonna fucking love it because I haven't been able to actually eat anything really real. I, I totally forgot, which is incredible to me. I just realized it this morning, like earlier. <clears throat> I wanted to eat rattlesnake out in Arizona. Totally forgot to eat rattlesnake. I like to usually eat something new everywhere I travel, like something I've never eaten before. Totally forgot to eat rattlesnake in the desert. Low-key upset. But whatever. It's not the last time. I'll definitely get another chance. <clears throat> but yeah, that's uh that's basically where we're at. I'm I'm kind of excited to see how this reintegration with the added added perspective and the added experience is going to benefit me. I just opened my I need you to close, Moonroof. Close. No. There we go. I love when people drive with their brights on behind me. It's awesome. So, <clears throat> this is something very interesting about this trip. Is that, what in the fuck? Why does it sound like the fucking window is down? It was. Okay. So what's very interesting about this is, you know, there is, there is this line in the Bible, right? And it's very interesting how I've kind of recontextualized this religious language to my trip. See, just turn their brights on behind me, fucking bastard. Okay, and I'm going to read that. It says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, say, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye are in need of all of these things. First ye seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thoughts for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Luke 12, 22-34. And I find that very interesting how we can recontextualize that to be kind of, some kind of, uh, you know, representation of what my trick was. You know, like for example, like, um, hold on, I'm driving here, I got people with their fucking brights on behind me, in the rain, you know what? I'm going to be a fucking petty dick. I'm going to let him pass me, I'm going to put my brights on. Because I'm that petty. Oh, but now you're not going to pass me, huh? You got your brakes on, you're on my ass. So, you know, like, take no thought for what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed. Right? So what we eat can be a symbol for money, for our job, and our sense of security. You know, um... What shall we drink? Like, what do we ingest? How do we survive? And and wherewithal shall we be clothed? The cloth itself is like shelter, like protection. So to me, what that means is in recontextualized language, uh, recontextualized religious language, is that sacrifice your luxury sacrifice like let your life go which is what i've mentioned um in previous podcasts i let myself go first ye seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you right and so seek ye first the kingdom of god which is answer the call of the void answer the question the thing that's been beckoning you forever inside of your gut inside your heart your soul answer that that is the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you because i did that i sacrificed myself let myself go let my life go and sought to the kingdom of god and his righteousness or answered the call of the void and i have all of this added perspective and these crazy experiences and that is priceless it's absolutely priceless and now i'm going to go home and these things these things are coming back these things are coming back to me that i all the things that i let go will be give will be re-added to me you know i'm about to be back if i get this fucking refund for this car i'm going to be literally back to where i was before my trip financially so you know things might be happening that i'm not going to get into but everything that i let go of to go on this trip is coming back and so now not only did i did i quote unquote seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness and i entered the void and i have this added perspective and this added self introspection and this these beautiful fucking self-affirming catharsis and these incredible experiences but I'm also getting everything back to right before it'll be basically like I didn't it'll be like right before I left and I still got all this shit and then I got all this shit that I let go of and isn't that so fucking funny that people are just so quick to dismiss religious language rather than recontextualize it in some kind of I like to look at it as like a symbolic allegory 
like a symbolic metaphorical allegory for the human experience and the human condition right and so it's better in my opinion to look at uh, certain quotes and stanzas uh, from the Bible and recontextualize it in, in some kind of personal interpretation of your life and your own anecdotal experience because that's what I think the Bible is. I think it's a tool that we use to try to convey what it means to be human and the human condition. And I find that very interesting. I also uh, garnered a quote, a quote out of this trip, right? And the quote is, would you rather trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present, right? And so that's a very interesting and to me a very profound quote because I was talking to my friend about going back and like every day that I was out there was money. Every day that I was out there was money. And money's not the, the main focal point, but money is opportunity. Money is the only thing that made that possible. And so it is a possible opportunity. Money should be looked at as an opportunity, right? So it's like, would you rather trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present? Because, you know, she was telling me that I should just stop and rest. And I said, every day that I'm out here is money. Every day that I'm out here is money. And so that would be me trading because as soon as I get back, I, the, uh, I get to start reconfiguring myself and re-establishing my footing and where I want to go and what I want to do. And the more money I have, the closer that I am to where I was before I left, the better that that will be, the easier that that will be. And, and so me stopping to rest or just take a day <clears throat> would be me sacrificing or trading the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present. And I feel like we, we very often do that. Like, <clears throat> like sometimes people buy things, you know, like as I said before, like I had enough money to make this trip a couple times, right? And if I weren't to have gone on this trip, I would have, you know, bought guns or, or you know, just squandered it on whatever because it's like right now I'm just sitting in this situation. I'm just in this situation. And so I'm bored, so I might as well just trade the opportunity of the future, the money that you can invest into something that could actually add stuff to you for the luxury of the present, like buying a new gun or, you know, you name it, you know, and it seems very often that we trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present. Fortunate for me, and I am very fortunate and grateful that I value experience, that experience is one of my values. And a lot of the times, like, people have told me, or, like, whenever I, like, start talking about, like, a lot of the stuff that I've done or seen or, you know, people get weird and they get quiet because it makes them look at themselves like, I haven't done anything. And that's a shame. And I hate that people make me feel that way about telling things that I've done and just talking about my experiences. It makes me feel shitty. 
but it's like at the same time like I don't regret it I don't stop either like we're talking about this this is what we're going to talk about I'm not going to just fucking stop telling you what's going on I mean obviously if it's I'm just sitting there rambling about myself then it's weird but it's like we're talking about experiences and I'm going to tell you this crazy fucking experience that I had and if that shuts people up because they may, it makes them look at themselves and be like well you know because the reason I bring that up is because <clears throat> I've actually had people tell me that they envy me. They envy my experiences. And, and in some sense, like, the people that actually put it into words and admit that they envy it, it, it kind of seems as though it's not like they're, they're trying to tell me, like, that I'm a piece of shit. But it seems as though they're trying to tell me that they respect what I've gone through, that they respect what I've been able to do and build for myself and, and allow myself to experience and do, and that I had the fortitude to be able to create that as a reality. And so the people that say, like, I envy your experience, it's like I see that as, a, as, as some form of respect, right? Like some kind of nod, assent to the fact, like, you, you're, you know, you're doing it, you're good. You know, but... I feel like if I can convey anything is that as grateful as I am for my experiences and my values, because I do value experience and connection, we all could pursue stuff that we want to do. We all could do that. But the only thing that's stopping us is our our inability to acknowledge the fear that is putting these constraints on our lives. And not even just the fear, but our, our actual trepidation and repudiation of being able to dispel the luxury and the comforts, the creature comforts that that disables them from being able to pursue something that they really want to do. Because I slept in my car for the last 10 days. You know, it's not impossible to do what you want to do and suffer a little bit for it. You know, it's like, what are you willing, like, how much are you willing to suffer for what you really want? or what you really have been pulled towards, or what's really been calling your name your whole life. How much will you suffer for that? How much will you trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present? And by luxury of the present, I don't just mean buying stuff. I mean laying in bed, sleeping in, looking at your phone and scrolling when you know you should be working on your car. That is the luxury of the present. It's like if I were to just take the fucking hit, bite the bullet, look at it as an investment and not as a scarcity mindset and, and pay the money for the tools and, the, and the, 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 the parts for the car and see it as an investment. Not something that's eventually going to stack up as a problem and problem and a problem and a problem until it's so compounding that I can't, that I'm overwhelmed by all my problems and all the things that I have to do and maintain. And it's that scarcity mindset that allows us 
to trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of the present until the luxury of the present becomes an overwhelming burden of responsibility that crushes us and it just totally discourages us from doing anything because when you're overwhelmed and I'm saying this personally when you're overwhelmed with the trials and tribulations of life of the of, of, of the lifestyle of the of modernity you know you become like depressed you become totally fucking paralyzed and you're just like well fuck it I'm just gonna play Minecraft for fucking two months and buy fucking Grubhub and spend money it's like you're spending money anyway, dude. But because you're depressed and you feel trapped, you're spending money in a shitty, useless way. And it's not benefiting you. And it's not getting you out of that situation. It's not getting you closer to any opportunity that you want to create for yourself. Whether that be travel or, you know, buying a certain car or, or, or you know, building a business or whatever the fuck your opportunity is. Whatever the fuck your goal in your mind is, how much are you willing to sacrifice for that? Are you willing to let yourself go for that? Are you willing to let go of the creature comforts of your life? Are you willing to let go of the luxury and sacrifice the luxury for the opportunity? Because I'll tell you what, you know, like some people, you know, have been envious without saying it without saying it and I understand why I understand why now here's the thing is that they look at it from a place of conjecture they look at it from their own head they have no idea what I actually went through and what I actually did they got to see the highlight reels they got to see me at the Grand Canyon they didn't get to see me driving for 33 hours out of 48. They didn't get to see me sleeping in my car or pissing in a cup in my car because Walmart closes at 11. They didn't get to see the lack of luxury. All they saw was all they saw was the fucking distortion, this this distillation, this distorted distillation of the trip. Right, they got to see the highlights. They didn't get to see the trials and the tribulations and the sacrifices and the challenges and the obstacles and the hurdles. As far as I'm concerned, nobody in my life except for a couple people know that I fled off the sled off the side of the road. I mean, except for this podcast, you know, and, and a couple people that I've talked to. But like other than that, the majority of the people that in my life don't know that I slid off the side of the road yet and was trapped in a blizzard. They don't know that. They don't know that because I didn't want to worry them. I didn't want people to fucking come to me and be like, oh my God, you got to just get home. You just got to get home. I didn't want to hear any of that shit because I was experiencing that. And I'm actually grateful for those fucking challenges, those those real dire situations, the real absolute danger that I was in several times because I really was in danger several times. And it kind of the gravity of the situation hit me when I was in South Dakota right before I started that road madness. And it really hit me and I was like, holy shit, like this really all happened. This isn't just a dream. And, it, and what's weird about it is it some it partially feels like a dream, even though it's real. It just happened. And even though it's like, you know, as we've talked about before, like everything's a mental construction, 
my mind really constructed that. My mind really was there. My mind constructed that. My mind really constructed that. So it's like how, like, my thing is, is my, my, and it's like, it's not even advice, okay? Because I'm so, I'm so tired of trying to help people change their perspective with words, right? Because it's like, how many times am I going to waste words? How many times am I going to waste that effort and that energy telling you the same things, you know, when I could be spending and redirecting that energy and that, that towards myself and my own life and my own goals and my own aspirations and where I want to go and my own opportunity. And I know that that kind of sounds selfish, but it's like, we're talking about certain individuals that refuse to acknowledge the situation, right? And I don't know. I'm just like, I'm at this point where it's like I realize and I have realized and I've been absolutely convinced that my judgment, it's not even a question. There's no question anymore. I fully, wholly trust my judgment at this point. And there's nobody that can take that away from me. And, you know, I could offer my words, and if they refuse to take it, I'll be like, okay. It's kind of like Keanu Reeves, right? Like, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like Keanu Reeves, and he said, I'm just at this point where, you know, you can say two plus two, plus two equals six, and I'll agree with you. Or one plus one equals five, and I'll be like, you're absolutely right, and move on. Because it's like, why, why waste the energy? When this person does not want to see what it really is or does not want to see an alternative solution, they don't want that. They want, they want the, the constraints of their artificially fabricated mental construction to be reinforced. They want those habits and those, and those comforts and that luxury to be reinforced. They want to be told it's okay to live like that. And it is. It absolutely is. If you're okay with that, it's okay. You don't need validation. You don't need approval. You can do it. You can do that. But at the same time, I don't want to hear, like, I wish I could do that. It's like, you absolutely could do that, what I did. But you must... What would you rather trade? The opportunity of the future for, or the luxury of the past? Or the luxury of the present, I'm sorry. Because the luxury of the present is going to make your opportunity of the future take a whole hell of a lot more time to get there. You need to prioritize it. And you need to respect it. And you need to be very rigid in your in your judgment about it and what you're going to do and how much you're going to let, let people influence you and that really comes down to like your, you know your self trust how much do you trust yourself do you trust yourself to make a mistake and if you and not even just trust but your own mercy on yourself your own empathy on yourself will you forgive yourself if you make a mistake how fearful are you for making mistakes I often tell people when they're like ah, I'm afraid of failure I tell them to learn how to juggle because the only way to learn how to juggle is to pick the balls back up and keep juggling them. That's the only way to learn. And there's actually a very, very valuable lesson in that that's just like, it's, it, that is something that is, that is 
universally uh, applicable. It's universally translated onto anything you're doing or learning. The only way to get better is to pick the balls back up and keep juggling them. And that's the same with my knife making. Like, people look at my knives now and they're like, wow, like that, this looks like you bought it from the store. You didn't make this. And I'm like, I did make that. But you are, again, like I said, with, with like the trip, how people have this distorted perception of it, where it's like you are seeing the highlight of my knife making. You're not seeing the thousands of times that I've made mistakes in my grind lines or I made I mismade handles that didn't fit or I left scratches and I just and I, you didn't you didn't see the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of mistakes that I made. You're seeing the distillation of all those mistakes. But but you only get there by picking up the balls and juggling again after failure. And so it's like are you gonna have mercy on yourself? If you make a mistake, like let's just say hypothetically, I don't get the title and I don't get my refund. Will I be able to forgive myself for the mistake that I made? I think I would. I would. It's a $5,500 mistake. But you know what? I got to fucking travel the country on that mistake. And even if in the, in the next 36 days I'm not legally about allowed to drive it, can't sell it because there's no title, what are you going to do? I still got that priceless experience from that mistake. And so I don't regret it at all. Already. You know, and this is this is kind of where I think again people have this this it's very and I say this, you know, as respectfully as possible, this very flawed perceptual approach towards mistakes and regret. It's like, why would you regret that? Why would you choose to regret something when you... Because if you choose to regret something, you are failing to see the lesson involved. You're failing to take it into account and look at it with the full scope of it and be like, you know, I made this mistake, but now I know never to deal with, you know, auction titles again. I know never to buy a used car from an auction title. I know that now. That was the lesson. And it's like, if I regretted it, I would be like, oh, what was me? Why the fuck? You know, just my luck. You know, and you, you got all these fucking trite, you know, uh, default fucking comments when you regret something. When, you know, you got that victim mentality. But, you know, you can choose. It's a choice to look at something in a way that benefits you rather than look at something that diminishes you. And so I think all of these things, we need to really pull into the full scope of it and you know, don't look at it as a scarcity mindset. Invest in yourself. Invest in your goals and your aspirations. Invest in the things, the, the alternative solutions towards the opportunity of your future rather than subjugating yourself to the limited aspect of the luxury of the present because it is an artificial fabrication of it's an artificial artificially fabricated sense of fulfillment that I think that people are looking for we're looking, we're all, we're all doing our best, and I think what all people are doing 
is looking for fulfillment. Everyone wants to feel fulfilled. They want to feel whole. They want to fill that hole in their chest, in their stomach, in their soul. They want to fill that void with anything that will make them feel wholesome, right? But, you know, pining away on Facebook for likes or, or only recording a podcast because you have listeners. Like, I only have, like, three listeners right now. I don't care. I don't care. This is this in some sense has me has been a self-affirming catharsis. It's been very cathartic. It's been able to get my thoughts and opinions out there and start to formulate some kind of a long forum case for my fabric like the everything is mentally constructed. But at the same time, it's been some kind of catalog for my trip and like my experiences of the trip. And I can kind of come back and revisit and listen to myself and, 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 uh, and hear in my tone and my voice and everything that I was going through. And, and it's kind of a, a, a an artifact. It will eventually be an artifact of who I was and what I was in that moment. So I have the, I have the experiences, psychological and physical, you know, embedded within me and in my soul. But I also now have, and so does everyone else, a catalog of the trip, of my feelings and my thoughts and my, and what I was going through at that time, in real time. Because generally, like, I would do something and then I would make a podcast that night, generally. And so, really, I don't, it's not about money. It's not about any of that shit. But it's like to only do something because it benefits you. Like in a financial way. Or to like or, or to feel validated, right, by likes or views or listens. It's like that in and of itself is is subjugating yourself to this false sense of fulfillment that's not gonna fulfill you not going to fulfill you, you know, this whole, oh, I'm going to post all these pictures on Instagram, and I only got, I only got 27 likes, you know, it's not, it's not real, that's not real, what's real is you, what's real is your experience, your personal relationship with yourself, the personal journey that you go on, the personal trust, and, and, and empathy, and humility, and gratitude that you have with your life, and your connections and your experiences that's real that's wholesome that's fulfillment at least in my opinion but what do I know you know I don't know everybody's situation I only know my situation but judging from my own experience to me experience and connection is the fundamental aspect of fulfillment that is what's what is what drives us. That's what drives us. It's connection and experience. It seems to me to be the root of life itself, of what is meaningful in life. And so that's that. But I just I implore people, like don't don't fall victim to this this <clears throat> this victim mentality. Like, I can't do that. Because you absolutely could do that. You could. 
how much will you sacrifice for it? Would you trade the opportunity of the future for the luxury of, of the present? Would you be willing to sacrifice your luxury for it? Would you be willing to sacrifice your comfort and your sense of security? And would you be able, would you be willing to sacrifice your life? Would you be willing to sacrifice everything that you know symbolically that you represent to gain this added perspective? Because as I said in the beginning of this, it all becomes added unto you. You know, as far as like the Bible goes, Luke 12. <clears throat> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, like I've said in the past, like I'm not a Christian by any stretch of the imagination, and I don't believe anything. I don't like the word belief because it makes it it, it implies knowledge like you know anything. I don't believe anything. But I do have values. I do have values. And I think I did actually mention that the two things that are closest to the words of belief that I have in a past episode. But I'm not gonna get into that. I'm gonna stay on track because I got ten minutes left. <clears throat> you can improve yourself. You can improve your life. You can change your life. You can change who you are. You can change your mind. Right? This is what I was talking about with my friend when I was, you know, in the middle of that fucking road madness. Is like, if everything is mentally constructed, then nothing changed for me. Nothing changed. I mean, it changed in other people's minds because I was gone and I was away. But for me, I was here the whole time. The only thing that changed was my mind. Because what in my opinion is mine? Environments, behaviors, um, thoughts, feelings. Those things are mine, are the mine. And so to me, the only thing that changed was my mind. My mind was constructing it all. I was creating everything. And all of those things, my mind changed because my environment that I was constructing was different every day. Uh, my emotions, my thoughts, my feelings, my behaviors were all altered, right? So the only thing that changed was my mind. I wasn't gone because I was here the whole time for myself. But like I said in previous episodes, everyone in my life is a mental construction, a mental projection. When I look, and I'm not saying that they're not like real, but I'm saying that when I look at somebody's form, I'm projecting my an aspect of my mind onto them. I'm projecting that because I don't know everything they've ever thought, felt, seen, you know, done, experienced said, I don't know all that. So I'm go coming from a point of conjecture and I'm projecting my my con my conjecturous conclusions onto what I think they are or what I symbolically represent them to be in my mind, how I've constructed them in my mind. I'm projecting that onto their form. So to me, I was here the whole time. And I, nothing changed for me. The only thing that changed was my mind. 
And I do think, though, that I have, I have changed. Something in me changed. It's been moved. That, like I said, that was a very spiritual, like a very personal spiritual journey. It was very cathartic and fulfilling and, and, and satiating and satisfying and thrilling and, and, and terrifying. The terror really wasn't there because I feel like I'm pretty confident in the face of uncertainty. But there were instances of fear and trepidation. But all of those things, they moved me. I'm different now. And I will let the evidence of my actions speak for itself. I don't need to convince anybody. That's just me saying what it is. I know it to be true. I feel it. I am it. I created that. I constructed this. I changed my mind. I took this. And you can too. You can do anything you want. You can change your life. Bam! Just like that. The only thing that stops us from thinking that we, can, we can't change anything is our mind. I can't quit my job because I have all of this responsibility. It's like, okay, like I said to you before, when you're out in the world and you're doing the things that I was doing and you're sliding from slush and there's a truck oncoming, are you thinking about your debt? Are you thinking about your credit? Right? No, you're not. So it's like the whole idea that, oh, well, I can't just give up on my responsibilities because it's going to affect my credit. And, and change your situation and then work on that again. The whole thing about, like, I can't take the hit at all, that is what allows you or, or that is what, that is what holds you down. That is what, what, what immobilizes you in that trap. It's a trapped mind state. Oh, I can't, I can't just abandon my fucking house. I can't just leave my apartment. I can't just not, you know, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to, it's going to, I'm going to, it's going to affect my credit. And figure out and create a situation where you would be more satisfied and then create a system within which you can work on that again and rebuild it from a different position, not from the position you're in. This, this idea that we can't change needs to change. It needs to change. But we are all in the water, and I get that. Some things... Some things aren't like what I'm talking about. Like emotional or like, you know, interpersonal relationship situations, that's a little bit different. Okay, because some things do involve some tact. You know, it's not just so easy as like, oh, you're my opportunity and, and you know, you're the opportunity of my, my future and I'm going to fucking do whatever it takes. Because you could scare somebody away, you know, being so imposing. So some things do take some tact. Some things do take time and patience but you really need to look inside of yourself and understand like and just know like what you value what will you value at the end of the line 
what will you look back on and be like, I'm glad I did these things. I'm glad I tried these things. I'm glad I experienced that or I got to do that. I'm so grateful. Would you rather be grateful for the things and the chances you did take and the risks you took and the hits you took for them and the sacrifices you made for them? Or would you rather regret not taking those chances, not making those sacrifices, and not actually achieving the opportunity of your future? It's regret or gratitude. That's a very, very, very harsh, um, what's that word? What is that fucking word? When somebody, you know, I'm fucking losing it. I don't know. It's a very harsh, um, you know, line to draw. I guess I'll just say that. I know that, you know what's funny? Just because we're already at the end of this. Ultimatum. That's it. It's a very harsh ultimatum, really. Because at the end of the line, there is no more opportunity. There is no more chance. There is no more time. There is no more. You get what you get. And at the end of the line, you either made a choice to regret or to be grateful. Be grateful. Choose love. Choose yourself. Choose life. But you know what's funny? I'll end it on that. But you know what's funny is like, I'll always like be, you know, like listening to like a preview of this, like after the fact, just to like hear how it sounds. And I'll be listening and because I don't edit. I don't edit anything, but I just listen to it because I want to know what you guys are hearing too, and it kind of helps me kind of hear how I'm conveying things, and kind of, it allows, it's like an interesting tool to kind of receive the way that I speak and convey my thoughts as though I was one of you, right? And a lot of the times, I hear myself, like when I, when I hit that ultimatum point, and I, I'm like, ah, I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to fucking say. It's like, when I'm re-listening to it, I'm like, ultimatum! Motherfucker! It's like, I know the word, but it's like, in the moment, I didn't. I forgot it. But, we are all in the water. But I really implore you, I really do, to reconfigure. Unless you're fulfilled and you feel whole and you feel happy. If you do, that's fantastic. But I just, I'm, I'm here to remind you that it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change your situation. It's okay to forgive yourself for making a mistake. But you need to be able to learn the lessons. See the lessons. Don't regret the mistake. Take the lesson. Add it on to you. Take it as a blessing, not as a curse. Until next time, my friends, wade in the same waters together because we are in the water together but I will be reconfiguring myself and reintegrating and we will see how that transpires until next time